Welcome to the Culture Builders podcast channel, looking at how individual and team performance builds strong cultures. Hosted by Jane Sparrow and Chris Preston. You are listening to a deep dive episode. Hello, I'm Jane Sparrow, author and founder of The Culture Builders, and I'm joined with my colleague and co-founder and co-author, Chris Preston, today to talk around the core theme of the moment, which is the future of work and what we believe for many will be polyworking. So we'll explain that in a moment. We're going to take you through some of the challenges that a number of the big businesses we're working with right now are facing and some of the real practical things we're helping them think through and some of the things they're doing that are working. So give you a bit of inspiration, give you some insight and hopefully give you some practical things that you can take away. So that's what we will cover. And polyworking, let me just say before we we get into anything, for us is the phrase because We see a future where for many people, they will work from anywhere. And that doesn't mean, oh, I think I'll take myself off to New Zealand and live there for the rest of my life because I can work anywhere. What it does mean is working in the right place for yourself, for your team, for your customers, for your stakeholders to be the most productive that you possibly can. So for me today, actually, as an example, I was working first thing with a client on a walk and talk. Then I was with our team on a on a Zoom when I was back at home. Then I did a walk and talk while I was walking around the garden with, a, with somebody else. Then I did a coaching session on Zoom and then another conversation in the car with another key stakeholder and then met up in an office with a, another key stakeholder afterwards. And that really is kind of polyworking for me at its at its finest. But Chris, tell us more because we're in a messy structure and environment right now, aren't we? Yeah, I think messy probably is the tip of the iceberg of what we're facing right now. And we we wrestled with this word, didn't we? Because it's not remote working. That doesn't do it justice. And the word hybrid just doesn't really clinch it either. And as you just described, Jane, that there within your one little example, there's four or five different modes of working. Uh, we're working with the manager at the moment who has got a team that's just relocated. One of them is relocated to another country. One of them's relocated to another city. One of them stayed local but can't come into the office because of ongoing health issues. One of them is desperate to get back to the office and be part of a team again. You look at all of those and what you're creating is an exponential set of complexity. And what we're seeing is the response from organisations splitting into two areas. There's either the very clunky, well, we need to come back in the office for three days a week, which... There's been a couple of high-profile stories where that's been the case and the fallout has been significant. Or you've got the people who are saying, this is complex and we need to find our way. And, Jane, you've got a great analogy, haven't you, around um, where we're trying to create certainty in a level in a very uncertain world at the moment. Yeah, I mean, we are really trying to navigate our way through and we're, we're on a, 
a bit of a boat, aren't we? We're kind of going up and down through the waves and we're trying to say, no, 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 we've got a stability. We've got stability when the waves are still really, really choppy. And for some people, the water's still coming over the sides. And so actually charting the course is quite tricky and it is going to involve a lot of test and learn. And for anyone that's coming out saying, we've got the policy, we've got the absolute roadmap, what we know from from the businesses we work with in, in Australia, I mentioned New Zealand earlier as somewhere I wouldn't mind moving to, but you know those areas of the world, they have got many lessons around the fact that they start on one track, but it may change. And we're seeing that in Singapore at the moment, where they've started in, on one track of, of what the future looks like and that transition. And then there's a, another change in terms of restrictions. And so they've had to adapt. So we are on that. We're on boats. We're in choppy waters. It's going to be like it for a while, but we are moving forward. And so let's make sure that we test, that we learn and that we course correct accordingly. And if you've ever been on a very choppy boat, you'll know, first of all, you can't take a level. You can watch all sorts of things slide backwards and forwards. And you can't always see the horizon that the waves are so big that you lose sight of where you're going. Now, to, to bring something else in and to use another analogy, we've been talking a lot to people about this idea about stretching the elastic. And we saw this happen. So with lockdown across most of the globe last year, it was a sudden drop into a new situation. We didn't have a choice. We went straight into it. And then we had time to understand it and to adapt to it. And it's kind of like taking a piece of elastic and stretching it as far as you possibly can. That elastic is taut. It's at the very end of the breaking point. And you don't hold elastic there forever because either it snaps, which is the sudden break point, or it loses its elasticity. Overstretching something long term will ruin it. Now, what's happened in some cases is where lockdown and where various things have lifted that elastic has snapped back suddenly and people have let go and it's right, okay, everyone back. And I think that's what's going to happen in quite a lot of cases where we will lift the blocks around working normally and there will be a sudden retraction back to what was. What we need to do is then retension the elastic to the point where it's sustainable. So come back together to regroup, to rethink how we work and then start building on a firm ground right now making firm decisions is simply crazy yeah or, or making no decisions at all is actually simply crazy i know i was talking to one organization the other day he was laughing saying you know we, we we are just putting it in that we'll do that at some point box because we know we need to do it but we know it's going to be messy and we know it's going to be difficult and we're just kind of blindly hoping it's going to be okay but we know it's not and hence why we were talking to them about what that might look like in terms of support for them moving forward but um you're absolutely right with the the elastic band the other thing i think you mentioned their sustainability chris is that we're really picking up and and I picked this up from, again, when I was talking to some some people in Australia on a session the other day, is that what they have suffered in some cases from is rapid burnout, where same thing with the elastic band, but where, you know, kind of, right, OK, the, 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 the gloves are off, we're ready and we can turn it up a dial again now. And then people have gone for it. And then what they're finding is that it's just not sustainable. The pace changes again. The changes changes to a different pace again. High performers really wanting to, to prove themselves again and then burning out. So that's something to watch for, for as well. So the challenge is, and this is something that we've been 
furiously busy with, hence why it's taken so long to do a podcast about something we've been so busy with. How do you set a course in such a stormy sea? And for us, as we've said, there's no easy, simple solution to this complex problem. So don't try and create it. Don't try and put in something that feels like it's easy and universal because it won't work. But what we are seeing being very successful is people starting to talk about a vision for the future. Now, visions, they can be exciting, they can be big, and they can be expansive, but also they can help focus minds. And Jane, you've been doing this with some of our um, supporters and clients, haven't you, at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. And saying what is, I guess there's two components here. There's what's the vision for the future and the way that you want to work in the future as an organisation, as a team, and through coaching, actually, very often as an individual. And really kind of having that that vision for the future, accepting that it, it is a vision. It may not be reality. It may need to change because as the, as, as the course continues, things may change. But having something there is a kind of intended point to aim for. And then the second piece is what's the transition then to get there and what's phase one of that transition? And let's start with phase one and make sure that we're equipping our people, our colleagues, our leaders so that they can really lead through that transition. Because it's a really different way of leading when you're leading through a transition to this future of work and helping people to see that, that it may change. But let's do what we can. Let's move forward as we can right now. And I think you've got to remember that your organisation before the pandemic had a purpose and a name and a reason for being. And that, in the majority of cases, still exists. So don't start throwing away the good stuff. Start thinking about how do you create the vision to enable it. Now, we've been we've been working with various people on various visions and various statements. There's no one perfect one that fits. But for me, it's something that talks about enabling, that brings in the idea of However we work, it should enable people to do a couple of key things. One is to live life in a sustainable way. And the second thing is to connect and to connect with each other, to connect with the organization. And ultimately, those two things enable people to deliver the business or the organization's imperative. Just summarise, because we were talking about this earlier, Chris, and we were walking and talking, <laughs> and you you had a great phrase, and I wish I'd written it down. At so the time. do I, so do I. I, I. I tried to write it down afterwards, and it's one of those. I always say, if if you want an idea from me, write it down as I say it, because I will forget it. I'm terrible. I'm getting old, but I, I I think it was along the lines of enabling people to work in ways that meet their life needs, whilst keeping them fully connected and involved in delivering the organisation's outputs. I think it was kind of there, but and, and your face says it wasn't quite it. But I think the thing is, with that sort of, it's almost like that's like the base coat, isn't it? That something like that that has the components of enablement, of connection, of living the business. You then take that into interpretation. That's where it gets interesting, and that's what we're seeing where it gets into success as well. Because this is not about a structure. It's not about a rule. It's about an ethos. Yeah, and the reason I'm making a face is because you're you're you were slightly more succinct when you said it walking earlier. But one of the big things there is delivering the business. And so many organizations, teams in particular, you know, facilitating team sessions where we're looking at this whole area. I've had many where I've said, well, okay, you've talked about what you need and how the future needs to look for you for you to be successful and deliver the business. But what about your customers? What about your stakeholders? What do they need from you? And there's a bit of an aha moment for many teams when they kind of go, oh, yeah, 
we've got to think about that dimension too. And and the fact that that's going to change. You know, what they want today might be different in the future. So it is about that connection, that allowing people to be able to work in the best possible way, but to deliver the business. Let's not forget that. And I think that's really, really critical. Now, you just mentioned ethos. And that makes me think about our three pillars of culture that listeners might have heard about before. And the fact that we talk about three pillars, as you may remember, what is it we believe? How do we behave? And what do we use? And what we use is the tools, the systems, the policy. And I've lost count of the number of conversations I've had recently with people that say, but Jane, we've got the policy. I say, fantastic. In that case, let's look really at how that's going to work because the policy is one thing, but actually that's not going to drive how you're going to work in the future. It's the ethos. It's the, what are the beliefs that you need people to have around how you're going to work and that transition? And what are the behaviours that you need to see from your leaders as role models, from your colleagues as role models? And what essentially is the ethos? And that's what you've been doing with yes. many, many organisations, including a very large tech company globally. Yes, it, it, we've been having some fascinating conversations, which I think is, we always say that's the starting point for change or for advancement. And like you're saying, that beliefs create behaviours, and those two things are enabled by tools, not the other way around. And you have to think in that way. And one of the, the, the large organisations we've been working with, they're global. So they don't have one market that they can say, okay, this fits. But what they're recognising is that they've got good people, they've got sensible people who want to work for them. So working with them to define the future is proving the best way. And the way they're approaching it is to say to these people, these are the parameters, these are the things that are critical. And a lot of those things they're talking about that are critical are about the culture, they're not about the business. You know, People get the message, people understand if we don't have revenue, if we don't have subscribers, if we don't have product, we've got a problem. What's important is also to say, though, if we don't have a culture, we've got a problem. And people, that's the harder bit, because over the last year, we've focused on getting stuff out the door, quite rightly. But it's been at the expense of organisational culture. Now we're getting back to some semblance, and I'm going to use the worst phrase of the year, some semblance of norm normality or new normal, as we're not allowed to say. And people are starting to say, hang on a minute, it doesn't feel and look the same anymore and we have to think about how we get back there. But we get back there through local ownership and conversation. And I think what, what's really interesting, what you're saying there is that it also, those that can take that ethos and use that to drive how we're going to work tend to be those that have got cultures that are quite adult and quite grown up in their approach. And therefore the need if you haven't got that becomes even greater to evolve towards it potentially so you know two or three examples I can think of of, of organizations we're working with where we're moving their culture forward so they can have that shared ethos that delivers so that they're relying less on the policy and much more on the ethos that makes that policy a success but it, it is a catalyst for many for culture change and and that yeah. bigger that bigger picture We've got a lot of friends in the in the people and HR community, so we have to be careful here. We're not saying policy is bad. Oh, no. No, but what we're saying is policy is something that's, that sits at the right point in the process. Don't spring out with a policy in your hands. Spring out with an idea about how you can work differently. So, Jane, we've talked big. We, we've, we've talked about global approaches. We've talked about ethos. We've talked about vision. Those are the starting blocks, but... Before we finish, we should really also bring it down to some shorter, smaller 
practical things that people can take away as well because while we're talking about the big stuff life is continuing so I'm going to let you do this bit because you're far better than me at giving tips so three things that people can do right now to keep moving this forward and to keep finding a sustainable way of reimagining work. So three things out of about 100 that we yes. we could and are putting into different Your toolkits. Your poly tips. <laughs> yes. So poly, poly working and transition toolkits is the name of the game for us right now with many. But let me pick three because I think these are really three core ones. So the first is as we continue transition wherever you are in the world and whatever business you're in, the need to continue being really empathetic and really tolerant is going to be critical so bearing in mind that wherever you're at in your emotional journey and where you have in terms of your views around how you want to work how much you want to be physically together with people how much you don't they may well be different to somebody else and for me you know I'm a complete Duracell bunny I love being around people I can't you know I am and can't wait to do more of being with people in physical spaces but I'm very aware that others aren't for many reasons and it's really important for us not to judge people too heavily on that and to be really tolerant and, and empathetic and it's going to change one day we all might want to be together and then the next one person might for, for good reason not want to do that so empathy uh, emotional intelligence tolerance going to be so critical over the months ahead and there's just something really short there to remind yourselves which is isolation creates powerful emotions so where you're talking to people who are remote and distant and not connected, there's going to be more going on, not less. So, OK, Shane, so second of your many. Second, and I'll make the second one faster. Really looking after yourselves and one another. So the idea here being that we talk about the bank of me and the notion of you being a human bank account that you make deposits and withdrawals from every day. There's a real danger if you don't manage your own human bank account, then you possibly overdo it. And that isn't good for anybody. And it's certainly not good for your sustainable productivity. So really looking after you so that you can be the best you can be for your colleagues. And then once you look after you, look after your colleagues is going to be critical as we as we move forward. Having those habits that set you up for success. And then the third area I'm going to pick out of many is remembering to be inclusive. And that that has many, many dimensions to it. But remembering that if you are in an environment where you've got half your team colleagues together in the same physical space and half not or a couple not or one not, then those people that aren't with you in that physical space may well not feel as included as you believe they do. And so little things that you can do to make sure that that you can you know, help them feel connected. So one real practical example is if you once you hit the leave meeting. If three of you are still in a room together, just WhatsApp or contact in whatever way we chat or whatever, the one person that wasn't then still in the room and just say, we just talked about the weather after we finished, just so that they don't feel they missed out. And similarly, if you are that person that is the one that's not in the same physical space, don't sit back and rely on others. Really think about how can I make sure that I find out that I keep connected to the rest of that group. So listen, there is so much. I have, as I say, many tips that I could give and, and practical tools and and those that people are benefiting from. But let's leave it there. Yeah, I'm going to just add in a, a cheeky fourth, if I may. Oh, no, no really? it's a good one. It's just I, I, I was reminded of this today. One of our colleagues has a great phrase about when she ends a Zoom meeting. And I do worry that when we all go back or most of us go back into actual physical meeting rooms, 
we will still end the meeting and all wave at each other across the, the room. So <laughs> my practical tip is don't wave at each other when you're in the room. Uh, she always says it's time for the awkward wave time. And I love that. I love the way that things like that just punctuate the, the, the ludicrous nature of where we're at right now. Absolutely. So listen, I hope that's given you plenty to to think about, a bit of food for thought. It's a huge area. We've got the white paper on it, by the way. So if you haven't already seen that, download that. But And many, many more tips to to follow. But uh, do get in touch if it's given you inspiration and share your stories because we'd love to know what's working for you as well. But meantime, thank you for listening and we'll be back to you soon. Absolutely. This has been a great conversation. I think this is the way forward. We've got to keep talking about it right now to get it right. Thank you, Jane. Thank you for listening. Continue the journey at www.theculturebuilders.com.